As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Today, Carl and Nick preview the Week 14 matchup as the Denver Broncos welcome the surprisingly mediocre New York Jets. You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up. I am Carl Dumbler, and with me, as always, I have Mr. Nick Kendall. Nick, uh, it just continues on, man. Another week's yeah. results. Uh, not really much you can say about it. We are not very good. That's <laughs> that's about the summation of it. This team, top to bottom, handing out L's. I'd give everybody an F. I love you, John Elway. But this season, I mean, he'd, he'd be the first to tell you. He didn't do his job this season. I mean, that's it sucks, but... It's where we are. Yeah, I, I keep seeing people bring up his whole calling the team soft thing and saying, well, he needs to take responsibility. And I think people forget he actually did clarify later on that he meant himself too in that, that the entire team is just not doing what they need to be doing, that they need to all change and figure some things out. So it's going to be a, a interesting offseason. He had a an interview today where he talked about that the coaching staff is going to last through the season but there will be some major changes once the season starts. So it's, I don't know, it, for you and me, you and I are like those, those uh, what do you call them, couch GMs or whatever? Armchair GM. Yeah, armchair GM. There we go. That, that's what I was looking for. And, and so these kind of seasons are like our dream of just getting like... Kind the, of, kind yeah. of. <laughs> okay, that, that's, that's a good way to put it. Just getting to see a lot of new changes, getting to see how this team's going to hit the reset button, how they're going to form the coaching staff, how they're going to go about the draft. If that's going to be different than years past. It, it sounds like Elway plans on bringing in some new people to the front office to really work on, on the, the draft side of things. And maybe we can get a little bit better. Uh, I, I keep hearing that he listens to his coaches almost way too much, that he needs to trust his scouts, that they're doing their job and, and know what they're talking about. The, these coaches kind of fall in love with people and get on their, uh, you know, jump on the table of or pound the table, whatever you want to call it. And then Elway goes, well, if this coach really wants them, they must know what they're talking about. And and not that they don't, but they haven't done the work that the scouts have. So it, it's just, yeah, it's, I am cautiously opti- optimistic of things that are about to happen for the Broncos, I guess. Something's got to change. Something's yeah. got to change because what's going on right now is completely unacceptable. 
So the little bit of a, uh, I guess, a story talking about not listening to the scouts compared to the coaches. Um, it was a few years ago when the Broncos were drafting in the second round, and they had a couple of wide receivers that they liked. And the scouts were saying, hey, these guys are about the same level. You know, they're, they're on the same tier. But the coach wanted one specific guy. So the Broncos, what do they do? They trade up to get the guy the coach wants. That guy ends up being Cody Latimer. And the guy that the scout said was about at the same level and we'd be smart to just sit and wait and see which one falls was Jarvis Landry. So that's hindsight's twenty twenty, I guess. But and Latimer's been playing better here as of late. I mean, he's a great special teams guy, but not, not a guy that you're trading up in the second round in terms of the value he's given over this first contract. But yeah, you got to listen to your scouts. I understand the coaches are the guys bringing these in, bringing them in and then molding them. But the scouts are the ones that have been trained to watch this film and time, you know, talked with the coaches, teammates, family, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I think that's definitely going to change always perspective going forward in terms of how he's evaluating these players and how he's building the team. Definitely. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, especially like for you and me. It, it's it is frustrating to watch the Broncos in the second and third rounds. And just the things that you were just talked about with Cody Latimer trading up for a guy that ends up being a special teamer. And, and I, I like Cody Latimer. I think he's had his best season this year. And I think he maybe could be coming into his own a little bit. I don't think the team has used him as well as they could have. But it just, yeah, there, there again, you got to figure out some better ways to get better talent that can actually get on the field earlier. When you're second and third round guys, you're, you're picking guys that you project that maybe a year or two down the road could maybe be something. No, that's not what you're usually looking for in that second and third round. You're looking for actual guys that can be starters pretty quick. So I, I don't know. It, it's Like I said, it's just I, I'm excited to kind of see where things go, see what actually changes. Or are we going to get the whole, hey, we're going to change things and then everything remains the same. I, I, I doubt that's going to happen because that's not Elway. I look at that 2013 season where we make it to the Super Bowl and get blown out, obviously. But but Elway looks at that and goes, nope, this is not this, this is not good enough. Making it to the Super Bowl is not good enough. And and the attitude of the team, the reputation of the team, it just wasn't good enough. And so he goes out and gets his guys that bring the attitude that he'd been looking for. And boom, Super Bowl a couple years later. So, yeah, I'm excited just to see what Elway does. He's usually one of those guys that's a pretty good, what I'd call, self-scout of the team and where they're at and willing to be honest with himself. Like I said, not being okay with just making the the Super Bowl. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But let's let's go ahead and with this show. And and I, I want to remind our, our listeners that this show's focus is all things that pertain to your Denver Broncos. We'll be bringing you these game previews every single week to get you ready for the upcoming game and how to be watching the game, hopefully as a smarter fan. With Nick and myself being film junkies, we'll be bringing these previews with a scout-based perspective, breaking down the matchups from a player's skill set and X's and O's perspective. You can follow myself on Twitter at CarlDumblerMHH, as well as follow Nick at NickKendallMHH. And be sure that you tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco football. We just had somebody ask us a question. I think it was about um, McGlinchey of, of Notre Dame. And we really appreciate your tweet and just wondering where we would rank him. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod. And make sure you check out ours and our, our co-writers written content at MileHighHuddle.com, a part of Scout.com and an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as football and Bronco crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. And of course, YouTube as well. Don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners. So please take the time to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. We also want to take the time to to say thank you to our sponsor, Rep the Squad, and draw your attention to one of the coolest services for a Broncos fan out there. 
Rep the Squad is a jersey subscription club that lets you rep every jersey you want. With hundreds of jerseys, Rep the Squad lets you switch between your favorite stars and styles whenever you like. Adult memberships are $19.95 per month, and youth are $16.95 per month. New jerseys arrive fresh and clean in two to three days. It's, it's like Netflix for jerseys. Rep the Squad allows you to rep the Orange Crush all season long, no matter if it's a home jersey, away, or an alternate. Free shipping both ways. Cancel any time. You can use the promo the promotion code HUDDLE, that's H-U-D-D-L-E, to get 50% off your first month at repthesquad.com. That's promo code HUDDLE at repthesquad.com. Well, Nick, this is where we have arrived. When the schedule came out, pretty much everybody out there thought the Jets were tanking to get the number one overall pick. This was supposed to be the easiest game on the schedule, yet Broncos are looking like the team tanking to get the highest draft pick, and the Jets are still in the playoff hunt after beating the Kansas City Chiefs. That was the one good thing of this past weekend watching football was the Chiefs losing. And the 49ers losing. I guess I'll take that. I'm, I'm trying to go for that number two spot at this point. And so 49ers going to win, even though it was at the, with the Bears. But that's that's moving up there a little bit. But yeah, I agree. Moving the, uh, getting the Jets, uh, having that win, pushing them down. Also with the Chiefs losing, that helps our strength of schedule. So if we have a tiebreaker with the 49ers, that'll push us up. Perfect. Yeah, but it just, it's crazy. Like I said, everybody at the beginning of the season with how many of the, the veterans that the Jets were cutting, Everybody was just going, this is like the worst tanking job. I mean, they're, they're not even trying to, to cover it up. And then here they are, five and seven at this point in the year. That, that's just crazy to me. And it just shows talent isn't everything in the NFL. You can have the most talented team on paper. I remember, I think it was the, the Washington Redskins. They went out and spent huge money to go get all these high-priced free agents. And everybody talked about how they had just won the offseason and then they were terrible. I mean, absolutely terrible that year. And so, again, it just shows talent only gets you so far in this league. And the Jets, they are a team that seems to have the right kind of players for what they want to do offensively, defensively. And, and they're making it work with, I would say, I wouldn't say that they're more talented than the Broncos, would you? No, but they're executing better and they're more well-coached. And they look like they're buying into the system much more than what we have in Denver. I'm a, I'm a big fan of their head coach, though. I've always been a... A Todd Bowles fan. Yeah, I thought he was kind of getting a, a raw deal there with the Jets. But, hey, he's made it work, and he deserves another year, no matter how the rest of the season plays out. Because, like I said, I, I don't think anybody, myself included, thought the Jets would even win a game this year. So I, I'm impressed with what he's doing. He's a guy that's kept that team together with all the negative attention that they were gathering all off season, And I, I have. I've been impressed by him. And here we arrive. It was supposed to be the easiest win on the schedule. And now looking like the Broncos are the easy one on the schedule for other teams. And I guess that just brings us to where we're at of player evaluation. And I know Vance Joseph hasn't hasn't reached that point of wanting to say that. It's why they haven't been playing D'Angelo Henderson, because they're still trying to win games. And I'm, I'm not faulting him for that. That's what you try to do in this league. And jobs are on the line, so you can't just go out there and, and completely tank. And But... We have. We've arrived at, at player evaluation. So I thought instead of the key matchups, and we can look at their matchups for this upcoming game, but I thought we'd look at some of the players that got some more opportunities recently. And I thought we'd start with, <clears throat> with a big name that you and I both really were excited to see, and that's Connor McGovern. What do you think of his start this last week? Because he went up against went, went against Sue, which is not an easy matchup for your first game. Yeah, no, definitely not an easy matchup. And I thought he was the best guard on the field. I mean, I was not impressed with the Miami guards. And Max Garcia got absolutely pulverized by 
Phillips, who I said coming in, you know, oh, this Phillips guy, man, not a great pass rusher. I think he had two sacks, both of them just knocking Max Garcia back. So hopefully Max Garcia is not a starter next year because he's been pretty, pretty poor this year. I wouldn't say he's an F, F minus kind of guy, but he's definitely, I'd give him like a D minus D on the season. Not very good, but Connor McGovern, I was pretty impressed. Um, did a good job. I thought mostly in the past game, him and Paradis, I thought did pretty well working in tandem together. And I really like watching McGovern on polls because he's, he's a pretty athletic guy. He moves pretty, pretty well in space. He just looks fluid and did a pretty good job on a couple pull blocks, especially with CJ Anderson, where he got to that second level and hit his target and got the right angle and just looked, it looked good. Uh, watching McGovern though, I think he's, he just looks a little bit small to me. And I don't think, I mean, he's not, he's not small. If he stood next to me, he would dwarf me. But in terms of what you kind of want for that power guard, I think I think McGovern's best fit in this offense or this scheme, at least, would be at center. And that's going to make a pretty in- interesting conversation this offseason with Matt Paradis being a restricted free agent, probably do some pretty serious money pretty soon. And uh, from what I've heard and from what I've seen, um, I'm not sure that he is a sure thing as a long-term plan at center for the Broncos. So we'll see. I'm definitely excited to watch him more going forward. I mean, he's definitely tenacious. I'm for being a fifth round draft pick. I think that's what he was when he came out. I mean, people talk about OA stinking in the draft and et cetera, et cetera. I think that's partially to do with just things kind of really fell apart with Manning. We don't really have the stability of the coaching staff and also drafting in the very end of the first round, almost every single year that's, it's going to happen. Also some just flat out misses that day two. I don't even want to talk about day two picks <laughs> under OA. Cause that's, I mean, you hinted at it and I clenched my fist cause I just get mad about it. Because <laughs> that's that's really where he's failed. That's day two. Those day two picks are the ones that, you know, they're not normally your superstars, but you you really need to hit at least one of those guys. And I feel like we haven't even hit one since Derek Wolf. I guess Justin Simmons has been looking great this year. So thank God for that. Gotsis has been better too. So maybe that draft class besides Lynch can do something that day too. But yeah, yeah McGovern, I, I've been impressed. I like what I see. I would, if they, you know, you see these guys going down, like we just got the announcement right before we started doing this podcast, which we'll talk about, you know, backups to this guy, but. This kind of gives you listeners an idea of when we do record these. They just announced that Derek Wolf is going on IR for the season, which great. I think he should be. I'm I'm really skeptical if he's even ever going to play football again. I know he's a mad dog and loves to be out there, but man, he's a, he's a young guy still, and those those nerve injuries are horrifying. But yeah, back back to the back to the main thing. McGovern, I'm I'm excited to see him going forward. I think he's probably a better fit at right guard than left guard. That's probably more his natural position in this offense. But I think long-term, if I was building this team and I could get a second round pick for Paradis this off season, I would be ecstatic to have McGovern at center because I think he's just not, he's close to big enough, but not quite big or functionally strong enough. I mean, he's great in the weight room. Don't get me wrong, but that weight room strength doesn't always translate totally to the field. But I think at center where he can work in combos, get to that second level and do some of those pulls as well. And he just doesn't have that that girth or that wingspan that I wanted that right guarded position is sent uh especially get him at center long term i think i think you got something there all right i'm definitely going on a rant here i've been impressed i really like what i see you're good yeah i i as you're talking about that i can see that because it's the center position it's a lot more of you're doing combo blocks than you're asked to go head on with another guy and i just think he would be perfect at that because like you said when he was paired with with parody son on many of those combo blocks they would get moving guys down the field they'd open up a nice hole in the run game Sue, they would move Sue. Yeah, yeah, of all people. I mean, it was he was very impressive for who he was going against. That's that's what you have to keep in mind too. Is just the quality of player that he went against, and and he held his own. I don't think I saw him give up a single pressure. I, I went back and watched the game just to watch him, and uh, <laughs> I, I have to say, it is so much easier to watch the game 
when you're not actually looking at how the play played out. All you're looking at is how this one player did. It is so much nicer. <laughs> I didn't have to worry about watching the interception. I could fast forward through that or the fumble or the block punt, whatever you want to call it. But um, but yeah, he, he was. He was very, very impressive. I thought one of his biggest issues was he did give up ground in the passing game. He'd get driven back a little bit. He just didn't quite plant his feet to allow a big pocket to step up into. Now, thankfully, the the two tackles were actually doing pretty good. I have to do give I have to give a shout out to Stevenson. Yeah, maybe his best game I've ever seen him play. He p- shut down Wake, man. I thought Wake was going to be a killer, and I thought Stevenson played pretty well. He actually might have made himself some money, ironically, considering how putrid the tackle market is. I don't think there's any way Elway brings him back, but I thought Stevenson had a pretty solid game. I mean, he did get beat a couple times, but people talking about, I mean, there's always, I don't know what it is. I mean, I, maybe I'm a hater. I guess I'm a hater. I don't know. But Simeon this week, probably the worst game I've seen of him from his career. Is that, is that, a, is that hyperbole? Is that an overstatement? I don't think so at all. God, he was, he was just erratic. He had so many clean pockets this week. That's the thing. Nothing. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it was, he was missing wide open guys. Even the receivers were just like throwing their hands up. Like, what else are we going to do here? I, I know people have been getting after DT. Like, what, where is he? Why isn't he this game changing wide receiver that we're paying him to be? He would be with a competent quarterback. I don't, I don't think he's quite what he was three or four years ago, but he's still a very good receiver. He's still getting open. He just doesn't have a, a quarterback that's getting him the football. And that's not just Simeon. I, I know many people get after Mile High Huddle sometimes for, for getting after Simeon, but it's just because he's played the most. It, it's all the guys. They've, they've missed him. But this game for Simeon, he, you can tell he's just gone. He doesn't have it anymore. He doesn't have any kind of confidence. He doesn't know where he's going with the football. The entire offense just looks off. Kilter, it seems like you got three different things going on at the same time. You know, offensive line's doing one thing, wide receivers doing another, quarterbacks doing another, and just it looks so terrible. I mean, it really does look like like middle school football. I remember when I was playing middle school football, only about half the people on the field halfway knew what they were doing. And <laughs> it was just it was chaos. But sometimes every once in a while just a great athlete would make a great play. Unfortunately, the Broncos just don't have anybody to get the great athletes the football. So it just it was, it was a really bad game by him, but it was a great game by McGovern, by Stevenson. I thought Paradis had a pretty good game. I thought it was actually the left side of the offensive line that struggled. Bowles did he had he was up and down like he's been all year. He's just been he has great blocks. I watched him sometimes in the run game just destroy guys. He does. He has times in the run game. He just moves guys 5 yards down the field. And then the next play he gets tricked by a, a fake inside rush. And the guy spins outside and then he goes and just tries to like tackle the guy to the ground and gets a holding penalty. So he's just, he's got some things he's really got to clean up, but, and then yeah, Garcia, if he start next year, Oh, that's not good. <laughs> I'd be willing to take a seventh or sixth round pick for him. Even a 2019 one. You have enough picks next year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. He, he needs to be gone. It just maybe stay as a backup. I don't know. Even there. I don't think I want that because then that means he could get on the field. Don't tempt him. Don't even tempt him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, He's a nice guy. I know he is. I've seen him on Twitter. He's always tweeting nice things and trying to encourage people. And so I think he's a really nice guy, but he just hasn't been able to show it on the field. And this is, this is something else I wanted to point out with McGovern. I watched, there was a couple times they tried to do the, where they tried to switch defenders. Oh, to handle a stunt. Yeah. Stunt. There it is. Oh my goodness. Where they tried to do a stunt at him, 
that is something Garcia has been terrible at. I watched him in this this game. One of the big sacks he gave up was he passed his guy off to the Bulls and then completely lost where where the other guy went and gave up a big sack. And but McGovern, there was like three or four times they tried to run a stunt at him, and he was just right there ready to turn around. Good job, he and Stevenson for two guys starting pretty much for the first time. I guess Stevenson didn't he start one other game or has he even started this year? Maybe, maybe he's only been in a few plays, but but for two guys that have never really worked together, I thought they did so great at communicating of when to switch, what was happening on the on the field. I, I just I was I was very very impressed, and I agree with you. You got to got to figure out a way to get McGovern on the field, and if you can get a second round, third round pick for for Paradis, that is huge. Oh my goodness, that that would be great value. Adds more to to what you can do in this draft if you need to trade up. If you want to trade around, whatever you want to do, if you want to try to get more picks next year, there's there's just a lot of options for the team. And McGovern, I think, is a guy you just got to get on the field somehow, some way, whether it's at guard, whether it's a center, get him on the field. I think he can be a great piece for this team for the next few years. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. And it's unfortunate it took this long to see him there. But I think if Leary does come back, honestly, don't bring Leary back. Stash him on IR. We're not trying to win games here. Let's see if we can get any value for Garcia and let's, I mean, the worst possible thing that could happen the rest of the season is if somebody that's a core piece going forward for next year gets a serious injury and then we're missing them, you know, through training camp next year, preseason, and then maybe even into the regular season. So, but if they do decide to bring Leary back, I wouldn't mind giving Leary a chance at left guard and seeing what McGovern can do at right guard, or maybe even giving McGovern some snaps at center. I mean, this is, it's preseason from here on out, essentially. Try different matchups, mix it up, and see if guys can show up. I mean, that's different concepts strategically, you know, different play calls and strategies blocking concept-wise, but it's not so much. It sucks, but it's not about winning or losing. It's about evaluating this talent. So I, I was impressed with McGovern. I'd like to see more of him going forward, but I'd also like to see him at center because I really think that if the Broncos put that second-round tender on Matt Paradis and some team decides, hey, that's a valuable zone-blocking center, still pretty young, played pretty well the last couple of years, well, why don't we see if we can go get him? I, th- I think that could be a thing. So I don't think the Broncos would match him. They'd take that second round pick. Granted, is, the, is, a, is a center worth that second round pick? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't think I would uh, give up a second round pick to sign Matt Paradis if I was another team, just because I don't, I don't even know if there's a center in the league right now, besides maybe like Frederick that I would give up a second round pick for. But I think McGovern's probably a guy. And even if, even if they don't take that second round pick, the Broncos may shop Paradis. So I know that's, some people that listen to this right now, probably their heads are exploding. It's garbage. Why would they get rid of one of their most consistent players over the last couple of years? The Broncos, from what I've seen on tape, this is not going to be a one-year turnaround. And are they going to be willing to pay Paradis big money? You know, because it's going to be a couple of years from now. But I don't see a one-year round, one-year turnaround for Super Bowl contention. Does Elway want to pay the center position that much money? Probably not. If Do you think McGovern can be a viable center, maybe even better in the power blocking scheme? Maybe. So if you move on from Paradis, put McGovern at center and you free up some money, then you maybe have more money to go get a right guard. Maybe Norwell from Carolina. You can get Leary, McGovern, and then Norwell with a draft pick at right tackle and Bulls at left tackle or Bulls over to right tackle with a draft pick at left tackle. That's that's an improved, young, pretty decently exciting offensive line. So I, I don't know. I think I'm excited to see him going forward, but I'd like to see him put in more roles than, than just that right guard spot. I'd like to see him at center as well. So we may see some of that this week against the Jets and you know we got to bring it back to the Jets here we've been talking about the Broncos but the Jets if there's any part 
about the Jets that is impressive, it is that interior defensive line. They have that left defensive end, Leonard Williams. I think he was the fifth overall draft pick uh, the year that um, Amari Cooper came out and uh, Kevin White and all those guys. Very exciting player, long, um, perfect inside-outside guy. And then they have Muhammad Wilkerson, who's had somewhat of a down year, all things considered. But, you know, just one of the better 3-4 defensive ends in football, in my opinion. That's probably one of the more talented 3-4 defensive end duos in the NFL. Granted, I mean, that that's... It's an important piece in a defense, but edge rushers and cornerbacks a little bit more important than those guys. Uh, and that's some areas that the, the Jets aren't that great. Probably the weakest parts on their offense or defense, excuse me. Although I've been pretty impressed with Maurice Claiborne this year, former high round draft pick as well. But yeah, for sure. McGovern's got a decent matchup this week. He's got some big bodies and talent, and he's somebody that not only the fans should be keeping an eye on, but I guarantee it the front office and the coaches are watching carefully and seeing if this is a guy they can rely on going forward into next season. Yeah, if, if he can solve one of the problems on this offensive line, even if you say keep Paradis and you can put McGovern in one of the guard spots and you have four spots figured out going into the draft, going into free agency, I don't think you're going to find your right tackle in free agency. We've talked about that here on the, in the past of just how terrible this free agent tackle class is. But it is. It, it's great when you can have all that young talent, guys that can be together for the next four, five, six years, possibly, depending on some contracts that you can build with, and then you can build with a young quarterback, or I guess we'll, we'll see what they do with that position. They might go vet. We'll, we'll see. But yeah, I I like McGovern. I like some options that they have, at least moving forward for the offensive line. And I guess that brings us to another young guy. I talked about him a little bit earlier, and I, I just wanted to talk to you. What do you think of, of Cody Latimer and what he's shown these last about four or five games? I've been pretty impressed with him. I, again, talking about not, not playing those guys that are valuable to you, to you going forward. There have been some murmurs about Emmanuel Sanders and or Demarius Thomas uh, being traded or let go this upcoming offseason, which I think I can see Emmanuel Sanders a little bit more because I, I value Demarius Thomas more. Personally, I think he does more on the field. Emmanuel Sanders makes more splash plays, but Demarius Thomas is bigger uh, in terms of moving the sticks, more of a boundary guy, bigger in the red zone. And especially, I guess, when Brock's throwing the football, not so much Lynch or Simeon, <laughs> cough, cough. But uh, Latimer get more playing time, and he's he's really emerged. He's somebody that I thought should have been given more chance to develop on the outside. You know, again, saying that we like to say in here, Paxton said it during the offseason, and it stuck with me because it made me laugh. And it's true. Trees don't grow in the shade. So you, you're expecting Latimer. I mean, he's got to go out there and earn that playing time. But when he's been out there, he's made some pretty good plays. And I definitely think he's the the wide receiver three right now. And I would love for him to get a chance. You know, let's say Emmanuel Sanders gets a, a hangnail and is put on IR for the rest of the season or something like that. I, I don't know. Mike, the classic Mike Shanahan move. That's what he would do at the end of the year when the team was not going anywhere. But I'd love to see Latimer get a chance to be more of that boundary wide receiver, whether it be uh, three wide receiver sets or even two wide receiver sets and let him show off a little more. Cause I've been, I think he's playing the best football I've seen from him despite the horrific, quarterback play and even though he's I mean he's probably probably you know I never want to say for sure but probably never going to be a great boundary wide receiver you know a wide receiver one type that you'd hope from that pretty early second round pick worst case he's a really really good special teams player I mean when he was out missing those games our special teams it's been bad this year but I felt like our coverage units took a massive step back as well so if I can totally understand, given the toxicity that seems to be the offense over the last three seasons and the ineptitude of the quarterback position, it looks like we're going to have 
another rebuild on offense, especially with the passing game coming into next season. I would understand if he wants to go somewhere else, get a chance, uh, maybe play with a more talented quarterback, depending on what the Broncos are going to do. But I would be, I would be all about trying to bring, bring back Cody Latimer. I think he still has potential. He's showing the best he has. And worst case, you have a special teams ace and you need those guys. Cause I'm, I'm sick and tired of losing that third phase of the football game. It's, we need to prioritize those guys. We lost Kayvon Webster, who's been playing pretty well for Los Angeles. Again, special teams been playing great. Uh, one of Wade Phillips' favorite dudes on that team. And I just, I think, I think that as a fan, especially, you know, what's more fun, defense, offense for sure, but special teams, eh, unless you have like a Tyreek Hill type, you kind of sleep on it. But that's, that's a valuable player. And I, I hope that we can get him a little bit more chance going forward and uh, he can show a little bit as a receiver as well, going down the stretch. I, I'm with you. I, I didn't like the trade up for Cody Latimer, but I like Cody Latimer as a player coming out. I, I thought he could be something, especially just a red zone threat, if, if nothing else, because he has incredible vertical ability, he has incredible body control, and he has the ability just to go high point a football and come down with it. I, I've seen catches already this year where he has like two, two defenders hanging on his back, and somehow Latimer still holds on to the football. He's just got such strong hands. And that's, that's something you can take advantage of. You can have, if nothing else, five to six red zone plays where you just get him on the field and figure out a way to just toss it up. Because most likely with DT and Sanders, they're going to be the guys that are double covered. Latimer is going to have that, that easier coverage and, and just throw it up to him. Let him go make a play. And we just haven't seen that. And I understand, like you said, he's got to earn it, but... I think he's been earning it. I think he's been showing just one, his, his commitment to special teams and how great he's been playing. Like you said, that is valuable and we need to, to keep the guys that are actually doing their job. And I think I, I'm with you. I, I want to bring this guy back. I know people are going to be like, well, why would you do that? Well, if Sanders is gone, if DT is maybe gone, that's a completely depleted wide receiver core. I, I just think you need to have a little bit more consistency and I still think he could be a player. I think he could be a very good compliment to DT on the other side. He could be that great third down weapon, red zone weapon for a quarterback that just pressure's coming at him. Who do you throw it up to? Well, the guy that you trust to have the good hands. And you get a little simpler offense. I know that's been one thing that's kind of been harped on with him is he just struggles with option routes and knowing exactly what he's supposed to do and reading a defense, but I don't know. If you get that young quarterback, you're going to have to simplify things anyway. So if things are simple. I think Cody Latimer can play fast, go make plays. And I, I just, I want to see him. I, I, I want to see more of his game. Like you said, get Sanders out of there. I don't know how much he even really wants to play anymore. Yeah. I heard some things about pretty irritating last game. I mean, I don't blame him. I'd be frustrated too, but like Simeon missing him really far. And then you'd see Sanders jog back close to the Miami sideline man, give some pretty obvious eye rolls and bad body language to that sideline, just kind of saying, man, look what I'm having to deal with. So, I mean, I, I like Sanders, but he's one of those guys that unless things are going well, I think he might even be a detriment to your locker room. I don't, th- I don't see him as a, a glue guy. And I loved him here with Peyton. I mean, he always wanted to come and play with Peyton, but I don't know. I think I, I don't really – when you don't have that quarterback, I don't want to pay that much money for those two wide receivers. And I think Demarius Thomas, better leader – more more valuable going forward in my opinion and I know some people say Sanders is a better wide receiver he's a different kind of wide receiver than DT but I think if I had to pick one especially with how their contracts are set up I'm keeping DT and letting Sanders walk now that said DT and Latimer are 
more similar than Sanders and Latimer are. So if you're looking for, you know, that, that exact same duo of wide receivers that are at least mimicking what they have there, then you probably want to go with a Sanders and Latimer. But personally, I'm keeping DT and Latimer and hopefully getting Carlos Henderson in there. And you know what that, you know, what's great about those three guys. If you have like kind of that, that group and maybe can bring in a vet to compete with them or maybe a, a draft pick at some point, Henderson, Latimer and DT are monsters as run blockers, man. They will clock guys, not Juju Smith, Schuster, killing her feet, but man, they will, they are huge in the run game and we can run some screens and everything. Cause that's something that we've really missed. You know, people say, why isn't McCoy brought back the screen game? Well, first off, Trevor Simeon doesn't get it there quickly. He's not making the right pre-snap reads like Peyton Manning was that said, you know, it's Peyton Manning, but also you didn't really see it so much when Sanders came back because Eric Decker for, you know, how much Bronco fans like to give him a hard time. He was a great blocker and you have to have a wide receiver that can get it to space and take out that safety. If you want to run that screen game and you, you don't get that with Sanders, but with Latimer Henderson and DT, I mean, that's, that's bad play. <laughs> yeah, you're going to see some guys depleted, that's for sure. And uh, I was just about to say, I put that in our notes because I know how much you've loved Latimer, especially blocking. And we, we always talk about that play against the 49ers where he just depleted a guy. I mean, I, didn't he knock him out? He literally went cold. And it wasn't a d- dirty hit. He literally just hit him in the shoulder and the dude collapsed. It was, it was a buffet, which it was a preseason game. And he was just coming, doing a, a block back, which he was supposed to be doing. And he killed the dude. Pretty much, yeah. No, I, I agree. That that would be great to see on the field. They would be unselfish players. That's something that we're not seeing this year. And and I'm with you where uh, this Bronco team, this is this is where things have really broken down. The Broncos right now have a lot of players who, when things are right, are great leaders, are great players to have on your team because they bring a certain attitude. When the team is not doing well, they are the kind of players that can destroy a locker room. I'm thinking of Akib Tlaib. I'm thinking of Sanders. I'm even thinking a little bit of Chris Harris. Ah, don't say don't that. say that. I, I know. Don't I, say that. He just he's frustrated me a little bit this year on just some things that he said of oh you got to respect your your veterans or yeah I don't, I don't even know what all happened exactly. I guess I should know that before I say too much. But he's irritated because Wade Phillips left. This is supposed to be a championship team. They got rid of T.J. Ward and everything was unraveling. Yeah. But I still think Chris Harris is a dog and. I definitely want him on this team going forward. I, I, oh, I do too. I do yeah. too. I think honestly, him getting away from Talib could be a good thing. Yeah. Get back to him, just not. Talib's a talker. Chris Harris was never really much of a talker until about the last two years, and I think that was a little bit of Talib rubbing off on him. And I'm not saying that's the worst thing in the world. I'm just saying it's just not him. His game has always been: I just go out there and I show it day in, day out that I'm the most consistent cornerback in the league, and. He's, he's had his struggles a little bit this year, and some of that's just the entire team struggling. Every player is going to look bad. There, there's times where uh, oh, one of the safeties was supposed to be over there to help out, and they didn't show up. So it looks like Chris Harris got beat really bad. When Yeah, that's not the really reality of the situation, but it just, I don't know. That, the whole thing is just really unraveled. And like I said, I think there's some guys on this team that have not really helped the situation. When you're hearing stories of, especially Emmanuel Sanders, he, I think he's the worst in the locker room. When I'm hearing stories of him going to the quarterbacks and saying, hey, you throw it to me no matter what, pretty much, because I need my numbers. I need to prove my haters wrong. And that's not winning football. That's just, I want to get my numbers. I want to prove I'm one of the best kind of thing. That's not about the team. And so, yeah, I hear things like that, and I'm going, man, I, this guy's got to be gone. I, 
I, I can't see him staying with the Broncos after this year. But yeah, bringing it back to Latimer, we should probably talk about, again, we're talking about the Broncos is becoming a depth chart analysis podcast, but that's fine. We're still going to preview the Jets. The Jets have some decent guys in the secondary that can cover and, you know, might give Sanders and DT and Latimer a decently hard time. I've been pretty impressed with Maurice Claiborne this season. Uh, Former very high draft pick by the Cowboys. Never really lived up to his draft slot. I think he was the seventh overall pick when he came out. But this year, he's been playing pretty good. I've been impressed. He still has some issues with physicality at the top of the routes and not the best in run support, but probably probably one of the better, more under-the-radar signings this offseason. He's been a good player for them. Across from him, though, not a great player. Buster Skrine, uh, not not a great cornerback. He's one of those guys that if you have him, you know he's he's okay out there, but you're looking to replace him. But what's really intriguing about this Jets secondary, for sure, I mean, everyone would talk about it, everybody would agree, is this rookie safety duo. They used their first-round pick and their second-round pick last season on safeties, and everyone's like, man, Jets gonna jet. What idiots? Who takes two safeties? These guys have been playing pretty good football, and I Todd Bowles, as a former defensive back coach, loves those uh, versatile safeties, and these guys have been playing great. Both of them can lay wood and cover and do everything. And first one is a former draft darling, was the uh, I want to say was the seventh overall pick this last season. Uh, Jamal Adams from LSU, very very fun safety, six foot, about two hundred fifteen pounds, probably one of the safest safety prospects to come out in a while. I think. You have Minka Fitzpatrick and Derwin James coming out this year. I think they have a little bit higher upside, but Jamal Adams is definitely a safer player, um, definitely a leader too, man. He's he's chirping out there and calling out signals and coverage and everything. He's he's the leader of that team as a rookie, and that's really impressive to see. So watch out for number 33 because odds are if Trevor Simeon tests him, it could end poorly for the Broncos. And then the other safety, talented guy as well, was injured his senior year, but um, came out and he had great tape. Uh, Marcus May from Florida, another SEC safety, very talented, big, rangy, uh, makes plays on the ball. And for being a free safety, that dude can come down and make plays. Kind of reminds me of a Keanu Neal in that regard where, you know, normally those free safeties, you think of them being the, the canopy guys where they, you know, the last line of defense. Marcus May, he doesn't, he can play that last line of defense, that single high or cover two or single high over the or play over the top in the center on that cover three, but where he's fun, man, he comes down and he can kill guys on those crossing routes or running backs or anything like that. So watch out for these two safeties. I'm, I'm really impressed with them and they are definitely going to be the, I think the core pieces for this defense going forward, at least a couple of them. No, the, I, I agree. I, I thought with the jets, I know a lot of people were against them taking both, both those safeties right in a row. And to me, I'm sitting there going, they just have so many holes it's mostly you just take best player available. And if that means two safeties in a row, then you do that. And if it helps them to be more creative on defense and what they can do, Hey, that's, that's all the more. And they got two really good safeties there. Morris Claiborne. Um, yeah. He's, he's been actually very, very impressive coming over from Dallas. I know a lot of Dallas fans were kind of don't let the door hit you on the way out kind of thing, but he's, he's played decent for them. And I don't know. They're, they're a unit they can be taken advantage of, but but they're still doing enough. They're making enough plays to go out and win games. And again, that's something the, the Broncos just haven't had this year. And uh, right now, they're they're twentieth in yards given up passing, but passer rating they are about eighteenth. So again, they're just they're about an average defense. But they have a lot of young pieces that are are being called to do a lot of things, and it's just going to be a unit that's going to get better over time. And uh, Again, I, I've just been impressed with their entire team going from what looked like one of the most 
one of the worst rosters that most people had ever seen in the NFL to now they're five and seven. Who would have ever thought that this is where they would be? Yet the here they I are. Mean, yeah, not me either. I, I, I was like I said, I was one of those people. I said, I don't see how they win a game this year. I just couldn't see it. And just goes to show in the NFL, you just as much as you know, you just don't know. And they've been impressive. They've all been buying into the system. Like you said, that's a huge part. Broncos this year, they got a lot of renegades doing their own thing, making their own decisions. One play is called and they do the exact opposite. So uh, it's it's frustrating for the Broncos, but it's it's something that with good coaching, talent can come out. And it just shows how much a, a team can turn around very quickly. Uh, even the Broncos themselves are a great showing of that from going from 2010 where they went 4-12 and 12, to 2011 making the playoffs with Tim Tebow as the quarterback. It doesn't take much. If you get some decent coaching in the, in the building, you get some guys that buy into the system, you get some young talent that shows up, like Yvonne Von Miller. I know that's going to be very hard to find a Hall of Fame caliber player like that, but if you can solve some issues on this team, it, it doesn't take too much to, to go from worse to at least playoff caliber. I'm not saying that they're going to be Super Bowl caliber because I'm with you. I think this is a this is a bigger rebuild than a lot of Bronco fans want to admit. There's going to be a huge turnover on this team, especially on defense. Yes, and but I, like I said, I think there are some pieces that you can keep. I think Cody Latimer is a piece that because he's so versatile, and I think he could be a decent wide receiver for him. And if nothing else, he's at least a big special teams piece. Helps out a lot, and and this would be a good week. I'd get him on the field as much as possible. If Manuel Sanders starts showing a little bit of limp on, on the field, I'd say, get out of there. DT is a little bit banged up. Hey, Latimer, let's see what you can do. And against these guys, especially if he gets matched up against Claiborne, I'd love to see that kind of matchup. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I would love to see these young guys play more. I'd like to see Jordan Taylor play more. I mean, I know Isaiah McKenzie is not taking punts the rest of the year. You know, maybe get him on offense. If he fumbles it, he fumbles it. You know, let him... Let them grow because this – or let them fail. Heck, whatever. <laughs> These games, it's about assessing the talent, and he's stunk it up, stunk it up. And I know why people are like, oh, how can you keep going back to him? It's preseason. The, the outcome of the game, it's hard. I know it matters to the coaches, the players, and fans don't want to lose, but we're out of the playoffs. I would rather stink it up and get – not not purposely tank, but, you know, I'm not going out there and running in for a safety every other play. You know, it's not cheating on Madden or whatever. Did you ever do that as a kid? See if you could, how high you could get the score, you know, switch controllers over to the other team and run it to the back of the end zone. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like 300 to zero. Like, no, we're not doing that. We have some pride. Not, not much, at least personally speaking, I can't speak for Carl, but it's, it's, you gotta evaluate these young guys. And that includes bringing up guys in the practice squad and just seeing what we have, figuring out this bottom of this depth chart for next year. And if, you know, if we see some strides, from some of these guys, maybe some of these positional coaches will stick around. I don't think Vance Joseph's going to stick around, but you know, there are other guys that are fighting for jobs. So we'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, speaking about the jet secondary here, we probably should flip the script and talk about the Broncos secondary and no better way to start than the safeties of the Bronco Broncos. One of the, probably one of the more, I don't want to say dark horse, but most improved player this season the Broncos for me my money would be Justin Simmons I've been very impressed with him this season uh, he still has some work to do especially when he's playing closer to the line of scrimmage I think he's much better at that free safety role where he can face the line of scrimmage and he can come forward but he can do better a better job you know playing man or playing in those hook zones when he's next to those linebackers that second level but he had a good game last week that pick six did you see he was the 
third fastest recorded player in the league last week? I did. I did see that. And his 40 time wasn't that great, but his explosive ability, his ability to get to the top speed in a hurry is what really makes him such a, a special safety. I think that could be moving forward, turn into a, a real great player for the Broncos. And we've already seen that his lip, leaping ability when he out jumped Amari Cooper for that big interception in the first Raiders game for the win. And uh, I love the kid. I love his potential moving forward. I think he could become one of the core pieces of the defense moving forward. Yeah, I'm in total agreement with you. I was, that was probably my favorite LA pick that we've made. Man, probably my favorite one he's made since Von Miller. I, that's, that's some high praise, but I was a huge Justin Simmons fan. I uh, loved Justin Simmons, and I was a huge uh, Sean Davis fan. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner as well do you remember sean davis mm-hmm. yeah those were my guys that was my brand in that draft and when we took justin simmons man i was ecstatic love the kid very smart very rangy good ball skills and he's he's showing it this year and i'm he's the reason that stewart is probably not going to be on this team next year stewart's been playing a little bit out of position you know one of those renegade guys in the back end getting beat you know people blame bradley roby on i think it was a week one or week two where there's a touchdown over the top it was on Stewart. Stewart cheated inside. Roby thought he had safety help. Didn't happen. But Simmons has been great this year. I've been excited to watch him play. And I hope that he can have a more defined role as a free safety next year where I, I can see him at strong safety. And he, he honestly has been better this season coming down and laying wood. There was a couple games. Didn't he, didn't he get a personal foul as well for a hit that he did? It was a clean hit. Yeah, Pretty sure did. it was Simmons. Yeah, yeah got, clean hit. He got fined even for it. Yeah, no, nah, that was – what are you even going to do? He didn't lead with his head. He hit him with a shoulder pad, and it just it just happened. Yeah, I, I think so, actually – was that the Amari Cooper where he got knocked out? Or was that Stewart? That was Stewart. That was Stewart. That was Stewart. Yeah, yeah no, it was earlier in the season. Okay. Yeah, no, Simmons, he had, he had one game where he had like four or five hits that were like highlight reel hits. It was just – it was impressive. For a guy as, as skinny as him, that wasn't really his M.O., coming out of college that wasn't what he was exactly known for but he's just shown that physicality that you want to to have on your defense and you pair that with his range to go make plays and his jumping ability has pretty good hands that i've seen i i don't know i just like i said i think he's one of those guys you can really say this guy could be the future safety for the broncos and the broncos have had a lot of great safeties through the years and i think he could be that next great safety for the broncos so I'm excited to see him, and I'm with you. I'd rather see him at free safety. He does so much better at just being able to cover a lot of ground and just that sheer athleticism on that back end really helps out those cornerbacks and just gives them a lot more a lot more ability to go and, and be a bit more aggressive and just trust that their safety is going to come over and make a play. And I also think that it fits better with our other young guys in Carter and Parks, that they're more that strong safety role anyway. So if you can move Simmons over, and I'm not saying Stewart's gone because I think Stewart still has great value for this team, but it has. It's been a down year for him. There's been a lot of miscommunications. I don't know if that's always his fault, but I don't know. It's it's just it has. It's been a tough a tough year for this secondary. 
compared to, well, I mean, they've been the top secondary for how many years now? Two years in a row? Not this year. Yeah, not this year. Not even close. They've given up a lot of touchdowns for sure. But yeah, Simmons, I'm excited to see him moving forward. Would you, would you be okay with Carter and Parks for next year playing that strong safety position, or would you want the Broncos to go look for another guy? Man, I think I would look for another guy. I'm not a huge Parks guy, and for as decent as Carter looked in preseason, I still think he's that depth, strong safety, dimebacker type. So looks like a pretty solid safety class this season. And, I mean, that could be an area where the Broncos sign a cheaper short-term veteran to fill that role if they don't want to go super high on a safety. But, I mean, if they have to go with Parks and Carter, so be it. I mean, the defense is going to be – it sounds like the defense is going to be dismantled, which sucks because I love having a great defense. But this team's not very good right now, and if they go with a quarterback or something like that, they're probably going to have to do what they can to build around that guy, which means short-term defense probably does take a step back because they're going to use resources to build around that quarterback, which is the smart thing to do to make sure that guy doesn't bust and can develop. But if I have to do it, I'll be okay with it, but it'll definitely be an area of weakness on the team uh, next season. Yeah. No, I agree. I'd rather find somebody else. Parks has probably been the guy that's been most frustrating to me. He's made a couple plays and people are kind of going, oh man, look at this guy go out there and play. And then he just completely blows the coverage or he just gets so turned around by a a tight end. I I don't know. I just, he's gotten lucky a few times of guys who's dropping balls. He could have even had a a worse year than what he's had statistically. Just some guys would catch footballs, but yeah, I, I don't know. That, that'll be a position to, to keep an eye on, if they, especially if they move on from Stewart. The, the Broncos are going to be cleaning house, and it's not so much about for this year, but it really is for the, for the year after that, the 2019 season, to have that cap space to, to go make the moves you want to do. And it could be also to, to, to maybe sign this next guy. And, and this is one of the more interesting players, I think, on this team moving forward, and that is Bradley Roby. He just had probably his best game of his career. Maybe, uh, there was another game. I'm trying to remember. I think it was against the San Diego Chargers when they were still San Diego that he had an incredible game. I think he only gave up like a one, one catch for seven yards and had like a pick or two. So maybe that was a better game. But, but this one with Akib Tlaib suspended, Bradley Roby goes out there and just dominates yeah, no, he had, I think, I think it was his best game of his career. Uh, he was targeted nine times, allowed three receptions for 53 yards, which isn't great, but being targeted nine times, that's pretty good. Uh, he had two pass, passes broken up and uh, broke up another one with a pass hitting, hitting by hitting the wide receiver to break it up. So showing that physicality, that was probably my, my favorite play of his, where he showed some physicality that I hadn't seen from him uh, as a boundary corner, where I love it when those guys you know make contact when the ball's coming and jar that ball loose. And he did that. You see him even swiping that hand in there too. So he's, he definitely had a great game and, and run support too. He had a great game, multiple tackles and did not have a, or he did have one missed tackle, but still good game from Roby. And he's somebody that sounds like Tlaib's probably going to be moving on. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope if he does move on that we can trade him instead of just releasing him because I hate that. I hate not getting value back for a talented player where if you cut him, that not only means that you're not getting a draft pick for him, in trading him, but you're not going to get a comp pick for him, which is very irritating. That's something that's been very valuable for the Broncos going forward. But Roby showed to me, he showed enough to me that I think Broncos, while you're going to miss, you definitely miss Tlaib next year. You know, having Harris, Tlaib, and Roby makes it that unit elite 
But Roby showed enough where I think Bronco fans should be decently comfortable thinking about the future. And if that future is without Tlaib on the outside and Roby potentially given a chance to show him more and more, that's something that I think we should be comfortable with and start getting prepared for. So do you think that, I know they have the fifth year option, but what would you think if the team decided to go ahead and give him a long-term contract now? It would need to not have a lot of guaranteed money after like the first two or three years because I need, I want a larger sample size with him being that primary boundary guy. And if it was a good deal and we could get in the contract language where he doesn't have a lot of guaranteed money, which would result in dead cap. If he some, for some reason regressed tremendously and was stinking on the outside, then we could get out of it. But most likely I think that they let that fifth year option uh, play out and then approach him next off season where you have a better sample size and know what he is. Yeah. He's, he's one of those players. He's very risky because you have games like this last one against Miami. And then you have the game against Cincinnati where he gives up like two touchdowns. And, and some of that was just some weird play calls. I don't know what was going on. Some of it was AJ Green, a top five wide receiver, Carl. <laughs> number six. Number six. But no, it, he has some bad games. He has some bad tape out there. He had in college, why a lot of people were kind of down on him was his one terrible game against Wisconsin where he gave yeah. up like 200 yards receiving. Was that Jared Abaderis? Yes, it was. Man, blast from the past. Talk about some big Big Ten heydays for me. Sorry, yeah. continue. I got excited there. <laughs> but no, he, he does. He has some bad tape out there because he just – there's times where he gets so reliant on his sheer athleticism than just being a smart cornerback. So that's something you definitely got to keep an eye on. But if you have the intelligence of like a Chris Harris paired with his athleticism – if he could ever reach that kind of level, he'd be the top three cornerback in the league. Woo! I, I don't know about that, but well, he's he's that athletic. I mean, he he's he's got that kind of potential, but he hasn't quite gotten there, obviously. But he has those kind of games that just give you the hope, where you're like, oh my goodness, this guy's just everywhere. He's making plays all over the field, and he's just when he looks confident, when he knows what he's doing, he just he is. He's just flying around the field, and teams will try to pick on him, and he's like, bring it. I hope you pick on me. So I, I love the kid. I really think that he could be another future piece for this, this defense moving forward, but I'm kind of with you. Maybe give him another year. Couldn't mean the price tag goes up, but it also eliminates a lot of risk. And exactly right. It's at at this point, you kind of want to eliminate some of the risk that's going on with this team. You don't want to get caught in a bad contract. You're already trying to get rid of some of your bad contracts. You're trying to get rid of some of those veterans that, are taking up a lot of the cap and, and just hit that reset button. So then, like I said, getting caught in another bad contract just doesn't help. But Roby, I love the guy. I'm excited to see him maybe get his opportunity to be that number two cornerback next year. I, I really think some of it for him with just his focus and stuff like that is in big part because he just doesn't play all the time. I think some of that is tough of coming on and off the field all the time where you're asked to kick it into high gear and the next play come off and then get back on the field. It just that, that wears on a player. So getting him on the field, 100% of the plays, 99% of the plays, whatever you want to call it, I, I think he could be a future for this Broncos team. And, yeah, just just turning it to now just who they're going to be playing this week. It does sound like Tlaib's going to be back, obviously, from his suspension. So Roby won't have as many opportunities. But the safety core was Stuart Simmons, Carter, and Parks. The, the, the Jets, ah, I'm, I'm surprised at how well their wide receivers have done this year. Because Javon Curse and Robbie Anderson, probably names Curse, I'm sure some people have heard of. 
I know people have heard of him, but it, it's more of or Jermaine Curse. Sorry, Jermaine Curse. They've always been more compliment pieces than actual starters. And I think on most teams, that's exactly what they would be. But I have to say, not so much Curse, but Robbie Anderson. I've been impressed with him. He has been sneaky good since he came into the league. He's been helping been, my fantasy team. Yeah, he has been an incredible deep threat. And I, I'm not saying that he's a perfect match because I think your, your boy, and I'm, I'm going to say it, your guy from Notre Dame that you really like, Brown, that's coming out this year in the draft. Maybe coming out. Maybe. He hasn't declared. That's yeah. true. That's true. But Brown, he is that tall, skinny guy that has quick feet, has great ability in the open field, can make people miss, has great cutting ability for especially somebody as tall as him. That was kind of what I was seeing when I was watching Robbie Anderson. I, I Like I said, I was very, very impressed. He has good hands, has great speed, and he can just get over the top of a defense in a hurry, that's for sure. Yeah, no, he's very talented. I've been impressed with him. I was a big fan of Ardarius Stewart coming out of the draft. He wasn't Calvin Ridley smooth, but unfortunately for those Alabama wide receivers, the quarterback play, at least as far as throwing the football, has been pretty, pretty putrid the last couple of years. Jalen Hurts, very electric with the ball on his hands, but he's not he'll, he, not an NFL quarterback. I think anybody can tell you that watching him play, at least not where he's at right now, not even close. But yeah, Anderson's been a fun player. I honestly, the reason I took him in my fantasy league is because, oh, well, he's a number one for the Jets and he's going to get targets. But I've, I've even been really impressed with this play. I don't think that, you know, he's going to be much of a matchup for the Broncos cornerbacks, but still a really talented guy. Um, I believe he was an undrafted free agent as well uh, out of Temple. You know, very skinny, skinny guy. He's not one that you see going through the middle. You know, he can get clocked if that happens. But if the Broncos aren't careful, especially on that back end, you know, talking about those safeties, he can beat you. So they're going to have to be careful with him, watch out for him over the top. And another guy, I know we're not we're talking about the, the wide receivers here, but it's another former high draft pick that had some issues at his first destination, you know, in trouble on and off the field, now playing for the Jets. In Austin Stepherian Jenkins, uh, six foot six, six foot seven, uh, maybe even six foot eight. I think he's six foot seven though. Two hundred and fifty-five pounds, former second-round pick, and always been a pretty good athlete, but kind of a a butthead on and off the field. But he's he's really started to come into his own this season, and uh, very tough over the middle, um, runs pretty smooth routes, and a red zone weapon as well. So you know, talking more about the secondary and the cornerbacks, but we're gonna see Will Parks get a chance on him, Broncos linebackers, and. If the Broncos, you know, struggling with tight ends all season, haven't really seen it so much the last couple of weeks just because the wheels have fallen off the bus. We can't really talk about some of the smaller things like, oh, man, we're not the best at covering tight ends and running backs. Darn it. Wheels have fallen off the bus. Everything's not really working right now. But Austin Sperian Jenkins is a guy that I would be concerned about. And if I need a flex tight end this week, or not a flex tight end, but, uh, you know, you have that one game suspension of Gronkowski. If Austin Sperian Jenkins is on your waiver wire, that's the guy I'd be targeting. So <laughs> pretty much any tight end that goes against the Broncos, I'd be picking them at this point this year. But no, they, they actually, and then they have a quarterback that you really like that's thrown to him and Josh McCown. Okay, let's, let's pump the brakes on really like. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, like is a veteran that shows at least decent talent. He's underrated. That's the big thing. Like he does not get enough credit for what he is. I mean, he played with the Browns. He played with Arizona. And he's been around for a while. I mean, he's a – I don't know if you ever followed him, like his pre-draft process. It was a little bit before my time. But Josh McCown was a, a freak athlete at the Combine. If you ever look at his uh, spider web on Mock Draftable, you're like, holy cow, Josh McCown out here? And they show videos of him, like, with his wide receivers, like, 
dunking, doing like reverse dunks and stuff. So he's, he's a pretty good athlete, six, four, 215 pounds. I mean, just, just looks like a quarterback, just never really, never really been given a chance to play on great teams. You know, he played with Cleveland. He played with a bad Tampa Bay team, uh, played with Chicago. Yeah, not good, but I think he's a guy he's having his <laughs> surprisingly probably his best, best game of his career or best season of his career. Uh, actually 2013 with Chicago, it looks like he was a little bit better, but good season for McCown throwing the 67.8 completion percentage. Gosh, how awesome would that be in Denver? How, over 65% is a miracle. 18 touchdowns to eight interceptions while also being a decent threat in the run game. McCown's a free agent. And I know the Bronco fans want to get that Kirk Cousins or that for sure quarterback, but let's say you still believe in Paxton Lynch or you take a quarterback early, but you don't want to be tied to him playing him like right away. Like let's say potentially you get Sam Darnold and Sam Darnold, great young quarterback. We'll talk about him. We're going to record that podcast here in a bit, but maybe, you know, needs a couple weeks to get it going or, you know, bump or so, or you see the offensive line for the Broncos looks not great. And you don't want to subject that quarterback to a horrible, a horrible offensive line like that. Josh McCown's what is 39 years old. Give him a one-year deal, two-year deal. I'm, I'm about it. We're already getting to offseason stuff, but McCown, he's a guy that I think is pretty underrated and been a pretty good quarterback for his career. Just always been on pretty bad teams. I'm not saying he's a, a franchise quarterback, but one of those guys that if you need a bridge or anything like that, he's a guy that I would be interested in way better than Mark Sanchez. Jeez. Gosh. <laughs> oh, Mr. Butt fumble. He is definitely a very underrated quarterback. He's done some things. He even had Cleveland winning before he got injured. I think back in, was it 2015? Yeah. He looked halfway decent. And yeah. he is, he's, like you said, he's an athlete, ran a four, six 40. That's fast. That's really fast for a quarterback or a quarterback. Yeah. You, you don't expect that kind of speed. And, and you just, even looking at him, you're kind of like, is this guy really that kind of athlete? But he is, he's just, as fast as Cam Newton. Yeah. I don't know. I, I will now, but I'm with you. I wouldn't mind him as that, that bridge guy. And he, he's always kind of known his role everywhere he's gone, that he is not going to be considered the guy moving forward. And he, and he embraces that. He's fine with that. And he's worked with all kinds of coaches. He's been on, he's actually been on 10 teams. About a third of the league has had this guy. Wow. And, but I, I think that actually is a, a compliment to him that he continues to find jobs, that he continues to find teams that want to, to have him on the team. And he finds ways to get on the field. That's what else. It's not just that he's there just to be a backup. There's many times that he actually is the guy that wins the job. So I, I, there's definitely talent there, and he's shown it there with the, the Jets this year of playing pretty well, has a team that nobody expected to do much actually in the playoff hunt. So I, I don't know. And like I said, he's playing with terrible weapons. I mean, we just complimented Robbie Anderson and, and Jenkins, but I wouldn't say these guys are just like off the charts great. They're not any of them. None of them are like top 10 at their position. No. Not even close. <laughs> so he's he's got them actually doing some things, putting up points. What was it, thirty eight against the Chiefs this last week? Yeah, no, he's he's having a really good season, and he's been, I mean, almost a seventy percent completion percentage with a team that has Matt Forte and Blyle Powell as their best running backs. Uh, very mediocre, at least looking across the board. That Jets offensive line is not great, not great. Uh, Kelvin Beecham, James Carpenter. Wesley Johnson, Brian Winters, and Brandon Shell. I mean, that's that is not a group of guys that making anybody excited. Those offensive line people would be screaming at Elway. I know. I, I had somebody get after me earlier this week of I was complimenting the offensive line. Uh, I think it was 
Nikki who had tweeted out something about Simeon really struggling when he had a clean pocket this last week. Horrible. Yeah, it, it, was, it was bad. But just showing, I think he had like, what was it, like 31 or something like that of his passes where he had a clean pocket. Yeah. I think he only went like 14 of 31 with three interceptions. And it was, it was bad. There were some really good, there were some really good blitz pickups last week. Man, a couple of times I stood up. It was early in the game, but that offensive line, I know we, you know, they eventually caved in because we're Max Garcia got beat a few times, but I thought the offensive line, you know, besides the penalties and they played better than I thought they would. Let's put it that way. Yeah. When you have Stevenson starting at right tackle, your best offensive lineman with Leary out for the game. And then they still go out there and they play pretty good against a pretty good defensive line that we highlighted last week. I know for Bronco fans, we always remember the like 97, 98 offensive lines where they just dominated people. And you look around the league and you sit here and see Dallas with their great offensive line, Tennessee with theirs. And you say, well, why can't the Broncos get something like that? Well, I also look at other teams like the Jets and I say, it can get worse. And, and we've said that here on this show many of times. It can get worse. I, I know not everybody watches as many other games as we do. And so they don't see it as much. They just see how terrible sometimes ours looks and sit here and say, oh, my goodness, this is so bad. No, it's it's not great, but it's it's not as bad as it really could be. And so, yeah, I yeah, this Jets team, not a whole lot of talent, but they're still they're making it work. And they're actually favored against the Broncos on the road. That's that's just crazy. I would have laughed at anybody that would have said that beginning of the season yeah no you are you're true you're you're very right but we should probably move on here because we got eric coming on soon and he's on a tight schedule so let's move on to the x factor section for this week last week you picked demarius thomas i just thought going against those young corners i guess i should have known quarterback would be the bigger factor i mean it it always is wide receiver is a dependent position and DT had plenty of times where he was open, didn't get the football. Offense just really, uh, we've already talked about, Simeon had his worst game. And it baffles me that they would even think about putting him out there again. But hey, that's what they're doing. I, I mean, th- there is no answer at quarterback this year. There really isn't. And I know people have been asking all year, like, what's going to be the answer? Well, once the season starts, you're kind of stuck with what you got because there's nobody on the free agent market that's going to come in and all of a sudden save the day. There's a reason that Elway and the Broncos went very hard after Tony Romo, and if you still don't think that's true, you are a dingus because everybody's saying it. It's one of the worst-kept secrets. The Broncos were very close to getting Tony Romo in a deal, and it didn't happen. There's a reason that Elway was very much trying to get that guy. Yeah. Now, there, there was... From what I understand, there was actually a verbal agreement between Jerry Jones and Elway. And then when paperwork to send into the league was to be sent out, Jerry Jones pretty much said, nope, you know what? I'd like a few more picks. or I'd like a little bit higher picks than what you're giving me. And Elway's like, what? You can't back out now. We had an agreement. But that's that's how it works in the league sometimes. And especially owners like Jerry Jones who think that they own the league. I I have to laugh so much that other owners are thinking about voting him out if he goes after them and tries to sue him. I think that would be hilarious. Yeah. I mean, I'm not the biggest Jerry Jones fan. I'm not either. And, and part of it is, is because he got into the hall of fame ahead of, of our owner. That still baffles me. Still irritates me. I know he's done some things for the league financially, but so has our guy. So is Bolin. 
he's done lots and lots for this game. He's the guy that helped bring about some of the biggest money makers, like Sunday night football. He was one of the biggest proponents for getting that kind of thing. He was one of the biggest proponents. Uh, well, you could go on. Sorry, that's getting way off track. I don't want to get there. But anyway, where the team is, DT, Sanders, it doesn't matter who the wide receiver is because we don't have a quarterback that can get them the football. Yeah, you're very right. And unfortunately, your wide receivers are only as good as the guy throwing the football. It's time and time again. Classic example, Randy Moss going from Oakland looks like a complete bust and goes on to New England and looks like the Hall of Famer that he is. So, granted, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick offense, and I think that was the the talented year that got Josh McDaniels hired by the Broncos, which is unfortunate. But, yeah, it's wide receivers. It's a quarterback-dependent position. But for me, last week, I went with Von Miller. He had a pretty good game. I I was honestly really impressed with his run defense. He was doing a great job. Uh, I should have said my MVP of the game last week. Also want to call it out there. Stink? How good was Stink as an announcer? He was so funny and just colorful and i mean i don't always agree with his takes on denver talk radio uh, especially some of his blogger talk you know don't appreciate that but he was great i thought in that game he was my mvp for the broncos and very funny he had that one he had that one comment that i tweeted out that's now my number one most ever liked and retweeted tweet with uh, talking about the broncos he's saying he said something along the lines of that's the kind of throw that makes you wonder if trevor simeon is a right-handed thrower and i mean that's I didn't know if I should be laughing or crying. I probably was doing both. <laughs> yeah. You, because it was so true. Did you see the the picture I sent you of that? Yes. Yeah. The just kid that does the halfway laughing, halfway crying thing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's kind of where our season is. You just, I would say about four or five games ago is where I reached the point of just laughing because it, it hurts so much just to think any other way. It's just one of those seasons. You just try to get to the end of it and move on. And just kind of laugh along the way of, of how bad things have gotten, I guess. There's not much else you can do. Because like yeah. there's no answers coming through the door. Not right now. <sighs> yeah, yep. You're just stuck with what you got. But anyway, Von Miller had a good game. Really good in run defense. When they tried to run at him, he'd just go around the guy. And had half a sack as well. So Von Miller had a good game. But, you know, only so much you can do when your offense scores negative eight points or whatever it was they had total when you account for pick six and safety. But anyway, my guy this week, honestly, another MVP from last week, I'd say him and Roby were the brightest stars last week. And that was, and is my X factor this week, Shelby Harris, Derek Wolf done for the season, potentially done for the year. And Shelby Harris had a great game. I think he had three tackles for loss, four solo tackles, five sack, uh, five tackles total, uh, half a sack and was just really disruptive, especially in the past game. He still has work to do as far as being a guy in run defense, anchoring, and everything like that. But as far as his ability as an interior pass rusher, that's something that we had been missing. I know Derek Wolf has been playing injured, ankle injury, and now I think this nerve thing is potentially career-threatening. Yeah. But, yeah, it sucks. I love Wolf, but that it is that's football. See Ryan Shazier last night? Just That's that's football. It sucks. I I don't understand how it's – how people let their kids play it. I love the game, but man, it's so scary. But yeah, Shelby Harris, yeah, it's going to be an exclusive rights free agent this offseason. So the Broncos have him at least one more season for cheap. And he's definitely a guy I'm looking to keep around because he's looked pretty darn good. And I think he's got a chance to have a good game this week. We talked about the New York Jets offensive line earlier. You know, it's not a group of very talented, big name guys. So I'm looking for Shelby Harris to have a good game and see if he can use some of that athleticism to jet back in the off in the uh, backfield and 
surprisingly athletic and elusive Josh McCown. He he is such a good hand fighter. That's what really yeah. impressed me with this last game was he just had his hands very, very active. I wish he was longer. Yeah, me too. <laughs> if if he was a little bit longer, he could be a special talent, but man, he's he's a little bit stubby, which is fine. I mean, yeah, that that is what it is. I'd love to see him as a three tech, but yeah, he's a uh, he's impressed me, and I think he's a guy that you know you don't want him to be a starter, at least in my opinion. But if you can get him in there on that rotation, he can get a little bit better, even in that regard. I think he, I think he'd be a pretty darn good player, and I I think he's got a good chance to show out again this week. Yeah, good choice. I I went, and and this is more maybe this should have been more in the what to watch for section, but I went with Garrett Bowles. I just think this is probably maybe this might actually be his easiest matchup of the season. He'll have Leonard Williams on his side, but that's more of the guard position kind of taking him on the outside linebackers for the, for the jets. There is not a single player that stands out to me. Um, do you see any that really make that jump off the page for you? Jordan Jenkins, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. They, they just, they don't have edge, edge talent. That's where they need to go in the draft. Honestly, if they don't get a quarterback. Right, they do, and it's just this is a game that he should dominate, and so just kind of to see him get back on track, get a little bit more confidence, because I think he's lost a little confidence as the season has gone on. He's just been beat a few times, and just kind of questioning what he's going to be doing and playing a little bit slower. So, I, like I said, I look at this to be a get right game, and and one that that maybe the Broncos can get some some good runs going behind him, and I, I don't know, I, I just I want to see him have a good game again. It's been a it's been a few weeks. He seems to have had about three or four plays a game where he just gets dominated. And he's a young player. You and I talked on this show many a times of how we expect that he's going to have some struggles. He's a rookie. He's raw. He's only played the position for, for a few years, really. So it, it just it was kind of expected. And it doesn't mean he's, he's terrible. It doesn't mean he can't be in the future at the position. It just means he's young. Yep. He's, he's, he's not that young, unfortunately, but he's raw. And I think you're going to see people are, you know, they're starting to have those PFF gifts spreading around and Bronco fans are like, oh, we should have taken Ryan Ramchick. I'm always an idiot. Mm, no, stop it. Sit down. Let me talk you through this. Garrett Bowles is, what is this? His third year playing offensive tackle in his career because he was a defensive tackle at Snow Valley Community College before that. Then they converted him to offensive tackle and they're like, wow, this guy is actually really talented, long, smooth, athletic, and mean. So that was his first year. Uh, then goes on to be the number one uh, JUCO recruit in the country. Alabama recruits him. Nah, he doesn't want to go to Alabama. He wants to stick close to home. Goes to Utah. Under the radar there for a bit, but then you know starts to flash. People take notice. I think I first mocked him to Denver in Thanksgiving. So it was about a little, little over a year ago. And I, I kind of fell a little bit out of love with him just because I thought the Broncos, he was kind of an under-the-radar guy, and I thought he had some issues with strength. And I was a little bit put off by that he was 25, but he showed out at the Combine. Um, has the mentality you need for the position. And so this is his third year playing offensive tackle. His third year where Ramchick is, you know, been playing offensive tackle. He was another guy who was a Duco. There were some questions about his love of football. He walked away. But Bulls, not as technical as Ramchick right away, but the athletic upside, the traits, the demeanor, all showed a guy who had much higher potential at left tackle than Ramchick, who's playing at right tackle. But if you're going off the PFF grades, again, sit down, son. Ryan Ramchick. Ryan Ramchick is playing for probably one of the best cohesive units in the entire league, not offense or defense, one of the best units. They have a great offense across the board with Drew Brees, who's getting rid of the ball really quickly, a great pocket manipulator too with an underrated arm for being that small guy. 
they have good running backs and Ingram and Kamara, who looks like the offensive rookie of the year. They got talent on the outside. Ted Ginn can take the top off. Uh, They have Michael Thomas, who's very talented. And then Sean Payton masterminding that whole thing. So while Garrett Bowles, you know, I, I expected Garrett Bowles to be worse than Ramchick this year. I really did because he was more raw. That's And he's playing for a worse offense, playing in a division that's much tougher at the edge when you're an offensive tackle. AFC West is bar none, the toughest division to play in as a tackle because the edge talent is insane. So I was expecting him to be worse this year, but I, this offseason, I'm expecting a big jump from him. Core strength, technique, um, mentality, just not making those mental mistakes that you are seeing some this year. People are calling him, you know, another penalty by Garrett Bowles. He was even worse the beginning of his career at Utah. He was false starts and holdings. He needs to work on those holds. That's for sure. I mean, it's something that's going to have to come, but I think you're going to see a big step next year, and I'm, I'm excited to see what he can be. Potentially, he's going to be a right tackle. That is an option. I think he'd probably be best at right tackle, but I think he has the upside to be a left tackle, and I think that you're going to see a big step next year. Rant over. Sorry, just gets me heated. No, and this is – well, and, and we're having this conversation right now for this upcoming draft with some of the quarterbacks of – who do you take? Do you take the most pro-ready guy who doesn't have quite the upside, or do you take the guy that has the higher upside? That is, that is a conversation teams have to have because I, I agree. Ramchek was the more pro-ready guy, but does he have the upside of Bulls? You and I both agreed we didn't think so. We thought he was pretty maxed out strength-wise. I mean, he maybe he can get a little bit stronger because he's in an he's in an NFL system, he's in an NFL locker room, weight room, all that kind of stuff, but but I, I just thought he was kind of a limited guy. I just didn't think he was going to grow much more than what we've already seen from his time at, at Wisconsin. Garrett Bowles, like you said, third year. And this guy was going out there and just dominating people. He has an opportunity to become a great tackle. So again, that's, that's what you have to weigh sometimes with the draft is, is do you go the guy that's more technically, technically sound, that's ready day one, or do you go the guy that you can think, hey, five years from now, I have one of the top players at his position? I, it depends on what you need as a team, but I'm, I'm a little bit more drawn to the upside. They have to show the tools still, but I'm a little bit more drawn to the upside. Yeah, I, I am too. I am too. I, I, I want to see the athleticism that can get them to that next level. Got to trust the coaches. You need the coaches in place. Yep, exactly. But that also brings us to our, our, our next section here of what to watch for this week and and, and mine is pretty obvious because it's just going to be the same one for, for the rest of the year. And I said the young players and, and just what they were going to show on the field. And, and some of the young guys showed well. I, I was very impressed by some of, of what was out there. And, and I'm hoping we're going to see more of that. We've gotten to see a couple guys I think can be, the, be a future player on this team of trailer at the tight end position. He's looked pretty good. He's looked pretty good as a, as a run blocker. He's done pretty well as a wide receiver or as a receiving tight end, I guess. He's been the best receiving tight end we've had all year. And then you have Bradley Roby showing well as a starter. Obviously, McGovern, as we've already talked about, showed well. So this, this is, again, why you get these young players in. It, it's, it's to evaluate, but it's also to get them just playing experience. There's nothing like being on the field. The speed of the game, you can't mimic that in practice. As much as you want to, guys are just not going to go quite at the same speed. So uh, again, this is just, it's a very big time evaluation time. And, and yours, I, I see here, you, you went with pressures. I remember that from last week of just getting after Jay Cutler. And I, I kind of thought it was one of their better game of getting pressure on the quarterback. 
Yeah, Cutler got hit quite a few times and made some mistakes in typical typical Cutler fashion, but when your offense is this anemic, it doesn't really even matter, which sucks, but that's, that's what it is. Well, who'd you go with this week? This week, my what to watch for has got to be just turnovers again. I know it's some freaking every week, but I'm so tired of turning the ball over at this rate. Two safeties. I mean, I'm going to include those as turnovers. Two safeties, you know, picks, just just garbage. Take care of the gosh darn football. And yeah, I'm going to even throw another one as well. Field position. The defense gave up a fair amount of points, but you know what? The Dolphins had the football, it seemed like, averaged probably about the 50-yard line. So you you got to do a better job and help that defense, and right now the offense isn't doing it. So, And that also is, I mean, Riley Dixon's not playing that great this year. You know, he's kind of getting lost in the shuffle because, you know, he's just out there punching the ball when everything else is on fire around him. But field position has been pretty poor all season. That has a lot to do with the offense, has some to do with coverage units as well. But field position and turnovers, you got to start winning those things. And if you're not, you're not going to win football games. Well, mine kind of ties into that a little bit. And and we do know now, when I when I typed these notes, we didn't quite know who was going to be this person. But I, I said, who's returning punts this week? And it looks like it's going to be Taylor with McKenzie getting benched. He didn't even hear about it from the coaches. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Some, What's going on? going on with that organization right now? But, no, it, it seems like it's such a simple thing. Catch the punt. Your number don't one. Don't run backwards. Down. Yeah, don't run backwards either. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that is a guy that needs an offseason. Yeah, he does. He has talent. I'm not saying the team should, should give up on him yet because he has explosive talent. He had a few punt returns. I know this kind of gets lost, but early in the season – he had a couple punt returns that were huge. He had a couple that were almost a touchdown, but were called back by penalty. And, and so he has explosive ability, but his number one job and, and what he needs to spend the entire off season doing is just actually catching a football. You can't drop yeah. it. You can't have those because those are, I always thought those are the worst, especially for the defense because you just stopped them. You got them to punt. You did your job. And then a guy fumbles it, and now all of a sudden you have worse position, field position, and you have to go out there and try to stop him again. And I just I can't imagine trying to to reset your mind to have to get back into that mode when you're just getting off the field, kind of going, okay, I get to relax for at least a few plays. Nope, never mind. I'm back out there. It seems like other teams take advantage of that every time too. It's like a quick touchdown as soon as that happens. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's been kind of another theme this year for this defense. Is it's not they're not giving up the yards per se. They they've been top five and stopping the run, getting after the pass, but it's it's the touchdowns because of the turnovers. That that's when other teams have been able to take advantage of this Broncos team. Those, those turnovers have just killed them. So uh, Taylor, he's got an opportunity. I think he could be a a, a decent depth guy moving forward. So he's got some opportunities to at least return punts and show what he can do. And I just, I do, I feel a lot more comfortable when he's on the field. Special teams. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't always remember them when things are going good, but when things fall apart, it's very, very obvious. So I don't know. Just want to see them have a clean game for once. I am with you 100%. And you know who else I'm with 100%? Audible. Before we get out of here, we have to say thank you to our amazing sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. If you're getting tired of the 
yakety sacks playing in the background while the Broncos throw picks and lose football games. You know, have the game on in the background, obviously, because we're diehards here. But maybe switch on an audiobook just to kind of keep you a little bit distracted so you're not pulling your hair out. I'm getting gray hairs right now, and I think I'd be full, full-blown bald if I didn't have Audible to get me through this. So again, head over to Audible. Check it out. It's a great resource. A lot of fun to listen to these books and everything. And that's at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. All right, now, last section as always. We got to do that prediction before we get out of here. Carl, I'm going to kick us off. I have the Broncos losing this game 31 to 16. Nah, let's not do 31 to 16. 31 to 17. I think this team is just reeling right now. And I'm, I really want that second overall pick. So I, I'm fine with the loss and I'm not going to give them any juice. I almost went with the win here. I'm not pulling for them to lose ever, but I'm definitely not heartbroken if the Broncos do lose. And I just think this team is, I wouldn't say they quit, but Vance Joseph has lost control. It's just, it's garbage right now. And it sucks, but it's, it's where we're at. And I think the Jets are playing decent football. They're definitely executing better. And I could just see mistakes leading to points and the Broncos losing another game. Yeah, that was <laughs> when you said 31, because that was the first number that came to my head. But then you got the second part different than me. I, I'll go with 30 to 13 Jets win. I just I, I see a, a few more turnovers in this one. It, it's like I said, it's it's getting to that point of just being laughable. You just expect it to happen now. And Jets get some some good field position. Maybe a, a pick six seems like that continues to happen. Special teams turnover or give up a punt return. More, something big is going to happen like that to really turn this into a bigger blowout. Defense is going to show up pretty decently, but just too many other things that are going to play into this. And like I said, this team is it, just, they're gone. You can tell it on the field. You can tell it with the defense of first time the offense turns the football over. They just kind of lose it. They just give up a little bit like what what's the point why give our full effort when we know how this is going to turn out and i i hate saying that and i don't think that they're trying to give up but it's just human it's human nature it's hard to put that 100 percent effort every week when you know the exact thing same thing is going to continue to happen (sighs) yeah it sucks but let's be honest trevor simeon's leading the the tank battalion right now brigade whatever works for you and uh, let's let's get our way to that second pick and we are going to go ahead and get out of here because eric is messaging me that his fiance that's who it is his fiance got off work early and he's ready to do the draft pod so you listeners we're working day and night bringing you content we're going to keep bringing you these previews and we we're in rebuilds right now as well it's draft podcast is in full swing so we're going to get to that as well but that will wrap up the week 14 preview episode of the huddle up podcast you can find Carl on Twitter at CarlDumblerMHH and myself at Nick Kendall MHH, as well as find our Denver Bronco articles on Mile High Huddle and affiliate of Scout.com and the CBS Sports Digital Network. Carl, what are you working on next? I, I said this a couple episodes ago, and I haven't quite got to it, and I want to this week, is, is look at DT and, and why I think he should continue to be with the Broncos. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Of If we kept one of DT or Sanders, who would we keep? And I want to show why I want to keep DT. Awesome. My last piece that I did, I did, obviously, I always do that preview episode, which is always interesting. I did Chris Harris versus Jarvis Landry, and Jarvis Landry had a pretty good game for the Dolphins. But the one that I'm most excited about and enjoyed the most was my unveiling of my big board 1.0. My fifth rated player was Bradley Chubb, edge rusher from NC State. My fourth was Connor Williams, offensive tackle, slash potentially offensive guard, depending on that arm measurement. 
he'll drop if he's a short arms for me on my board. But offensive tackle, Connor Williams from Texas. My number three overall player is a running back, Gasp. Saquon Barkley from Penn State, electric player. Uh, Got to see him live, and that was probably the most dominating individual effort I've seen at a game live in my entire life. Uh, my number two player, quarterback Josh Rosen from UCLA. And my number one player, well, we're going to be talking about him in the draft podcast, quarterback Sam Darnold. We'll see how it plays out. Um, definitely a long way to go yet. I, the, the rankings are fluid. This is We got, a, what, four months until the draft, so a lot of information that's still going to come out, and the evaluation process is just early. But as somebody who's draft media, got to be getting those takes out there and give something for the readers to listen and tell me why I'm wrong because that's normally what happens with people with their opinions, which is fine. I'm fine. You can tell me I'm wrong. I've been wrong before. It happened once. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's great, and we're getting on that full swing of things with the draft. You can follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing to us on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher. We also have audio up on YouTube. I definitely get on there and try to talk with you guys on there when you leave comments. You can subscribe and rate the show. Reach out to us. We love talking with you guys. For Carl Dunbar, I'm Nick Kendall, wrapping up another episode of the Huddle Up Scouts Eye Preview podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. Go Broncos. Mile high huddle.